Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Vegas studios, it is Weekend Geek Updates. Smurf here, ready to give you my take, my perspective on the geek versus large. Things that are going on, what we're up to, all sorts of stuff. Fun things. Lots and lots of fun things. But first, let's talk about our sponsors. We have Suzy Q's, the purveyor of quality Chainmail Jewelry. You can check her out at her uh, website down below, SusieQs.com. Go to her Facebook page, SusieQs. Check everything out. I'm always wearing the bracelet, so if you want to inspect some of her craftsmanship, you're more than welcome to come up and have me show you my bracelet. Uh, Or Visit Susie at the many cons across the country that she will be doing again this year. Uh, Red will be joining her. I will be joining her. So it'll be one big, huge, happy family on the road. Our other sponsor is Mr. Matt Campbell from Action Line Studios. He is the creator of Mythica, which is one of the most cleverest written books you will ever read on the planet. Maybe not clever, but it's definitely going to be entertaining, and it'll leave you... Uh, with an experience unlike any other comic book or art on the planet. You got you have to check it out. Go to uh, actionlinestudios.com. Also, he does have a Patreon, and every month he pulls a, a winner to get a free Mythica t-shirt. So go support Mr. Matt Campbell and uh, tell him Smurf sent you from 5280 Geek, and, and he'll give you a hug at a con. He is, he is very gracious that way. <laughs> yes, I've got him from reading you stories to now giving you hugs. If if you if you need a hug, Mr. Matt Campbell is a great hugger. He's he's a he's a cuddler. He also snuggles. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just entertaining myself today in the studio. It's been one of those days. It's been a very long week. As you can tell, uh, we did the Retromania Con this last weekend for Saturday and Sunday, which was a fun gig. We were up at the uh, Boulder County Fairgrounds. A lot of 80s, 90s stuff, some 70s, some vintage toys. Again, I walk away with more plastic Smurfs than, than I know what to do with. The thing is about the plastic Smurfs is they were just... They were popped out like Skittles. There are so many out there. I don't think I would ever be able to collect all of them. And I'm always finding different ones. And some of these actually catch quite the the hefty price. In fact, there's a, probably a few sitting over there that are worth a, a, a nickel or two. And it's it's interesting because now I'm I'm getting more than I anticipated. It's like when someone finds out you like a particular thing like treasure trolls, that's all they buy you. It's like, oh, we'll just buy them a treasure troll. So now everyone's buying me little plastic Smurfs. There is one thing that got away from me, and I'm upset. It was at Retro Mania, and the, the retailer has had a Smurf house. It's a little mushroom house that he's been carrying around for the last few cons here locally in Colorado, and he's been taunting me with it. Well, he finally sold it. Someone threw money at him, and he couldn't say no. And it, it is now amongst... Uh, the, the the people out there, it's it's in the wild, if you will. 
There's only two Smurf houses. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down a rabbit hole with you real quick. There's only two Smurf houses. There's there's the little mushroom one, and then there's another one with a windmill. I don't have either. Oddly enough, and I think it would be awesome to have in the studio. Unfortunately, yeah, I don't I don't have one, but I did add a couple more to to the collection. I've got um, Brainy, which I actually didn't have. Uh, with the black glasses, I think he's the more rare of the two because there's one with red glasses, but I got the one with the with the black glasses and Captain Papa. It's it's Papa Smurf in a captain's hat. It's Captain Stubing, if you will, of the Smurfs. I know this is probably more than you ever really wanted to know or care to know about Smurfs, but it's just something that now it is it is starting to overwhelm a shelf. I never really thought that I would be that guy collecting a bunch of little plastic stiff you know smurfs i had one or two one was a gift ages ago uh from a friend that i i hold pretty dear and then you know a couple that i've had since you know we when i was a wee little nipper but now the collection is is grown and it's just i'm waiting to see what i get next now so i'll I'll keep you apprised of my my smurf collection and i do yes to answer your question i have all of the glasses uh as well that they produced back oh god ages ago i think it was uh, Burger King, Burger King had the amazing idea of putting, you know, pop culture on glasses before the tumblers came along and it was a hit. So I've got all of the, the Smurf glasses. So, uh, there you go. Don't, don't go rushing out to pick up a glass cause I already got them all. Thank you though. I appreciate your, your consideration. <laughs> the next retromania, it won't be long. If you missed this one at the Boulder County fairgrounds, it was cold and, uh, as as fun as it was, and it was a lot of retailers, a lot of us, um, you know, kind of coming out of hibernation. We haven't done a con for a while, getting to hang out, chat, and and do some trades and stuff across the tables. Uh, it, the attendance was good. I, it could have been better, and I think the snow had a lot of an impact, more of an impact on us than we want to admit. And I have absolute faith this will be a a good con to go to in the future. The next one for Retromania is going to be May 20th and 21st. Vendor registration is already going on. This one is going to be held at the Aurora, or excuse me, the Aurora, Colorado uh, Retromania, but it's at the Arapahoe County Fairgrounds. This is actually the one I did last year that introduced me to this group. So uh, I this con we did really well at. Of course, you can't sell a Hulk 181 at every con, but... That aside, we did very well at this con, and I'm sure there will be a few other vendors that weren't at the Boulder one and vice versa, so it'll be fun. Go to uh, heritageeventcompany.com if you want to be a vendor, or I think I know they actually have a Facebook page, and I think it's just Retromania Collectibles or just Retromania. It shouldn't be hard to find. They do shows all across the country. Like I said, they're based out of Texas originally, so... Eh, worth worth the trip and of course come by and say hi i'm sure i will be at the may 20th and 21st i don't think i'm on the road that weekend so yeah come by say hi what else um also this week as far as the recap goes um knock at the cabin now it's a new horror film by m night Shyamalama ding dong and the only, the first question <laughs> Actually, there were two questions at the end of this film that came bursting out of my mouth. First of all was, why does he keep getting, or how does he keep getting money to make movies? 
I don't get it. Secondly was, uh, can anybody give me a hug? Because after that, I really seriously need a hug. Those are the first two things out of my mouth at the end of this film. Is it predictable? Mm, no. Yes. I figured out all of the characters pretty much all at the get-go. Brett Leader 1 and I are sitting there talking back and forth. Brett actually had read the book for Knock at the Cabin. So he was kind of filling me in on the characters. The ending is different from what we see on the screen versus what happens between the pages. And he liked the ending in the book better, whereas this one is definitely a little more... I think they try to give it a bit of a more positive spin at the end. I have to admit, though, with everything, it was very predictable. I kind of knew where it was going. I kind of knew the role of the characters. There were a lot of opportunities, I think, to expand this story. And I think, I, I, I know Shamalama is still getting money, but I don't think he's got the huge, illustrious budgets that he has had in the past. And this production kind of shows it. The story is, albeit interesting and kind of unique, there are some opportunities, I think, that were left unexplored as far as, like, the characters, um, the four people that come knocking on the cabin, that it, I think if we could have explored that a little bit more, it would have been a bit uh, more intriguing. It would have brought the audience further into the story and captivated our imaginations a little bit more. This is a very large gap now as far as the characters they hinted a lot of things, but we never really get satisfaction. We never find out the full story. And I don't know if this is going to be part of the the new Unbreakable series, you know, where we get a bunch of films kind of spread out, and at the end, they all kind of come together. And if we do, okay, great. I, I, I hope that happens. I would like to see that happen. Maybe expand on it. We can find out the rest of the story for the characters, and, and I'm totally in for that. There are enough things to keep you engaged and asking questions and just wanting to know more. It is it is cringeworthy. It is it is an hour and a half of just pure butt puckering like oh and the dialogue and how it is presented albeit very very tight kind of up close and again, this is why I'm thinking that the budget has been kind of sacrificed because there's not a lot of background and how his normal angles and shooting and all of that has been very prevalent. This is kind of an abandoning of that and going in a little bit of a different direction. I need to see this again because I know there's probably things because given how he's shooting this project... They're uptight shots, but then all of a sudden we do these big, large panoramic things. And I don't know if we are meant to see something or there's something lurking in the background. And it's just a matter of if you catch it, you catch it. If you don't, you don't. And it's not crucial to the story, but maybe helps fill in some of the holes. And that may be true. So I do want to see it again, just simply to make sure that I didn't miss anything. The walkaway role, character, performance is Batista. I mean, Batista has absolutely risen to the top in my mind as far as actors. The performance he gives is is compelling. It is it is sympathetic. It is so much depth to that character that he portrays and how he delivers it. It's it's great. You 
you see <laughs> you see this big massive guy who it's hard to get out of your mind that it's Batista, but as soon as he starts talking and, and he he delivers his performance, it's you detach immediately from that. He's gentle, he's kind, he's he's forthcoming, and there's no malice, there's no anything, and if anything, you start to sympathize with his character above all else in in this story. Even even the the, the three people that are their prisoners, it's just kind of like. Mm. I'm more interested in Batista. I'm more interested in his character. They try to distract you with other events, other people, other things that are going on in the film, but the driving force, the compelling just capture of humanity that Batista delivers is unmistakably Oscar-worthy. I mean, and I I know I hate award shows, and I don't throw that term around ever, but... It's just, damn, he carries this this film. He really, really does. Is it worth seeing in the theaters? Sure. I mean, just to be there with other people to kind of experience with everyone. That way you have, again, someone to hug at the end of it. Because if you're like me, I needed a hug. I was absolutely just like, I don't know what I saw. And I, I really could use a hug right now. <laughs> Uh, the movie should be hitting theaters. This was a pre-release or pre-screening, uh, so I, I think it's coming out this weekend. Go check it out. Give me your reactions. Give me your thoughts. Maybe I'm off on Batista, but uh, he—he's the best. We do get a Weasley. I know. I hate when I catch a bad case of the Weasleys. I can never get rid of them. <laughs> Other than that, let me know your thoughts. I'd be curious to hear what you um have to say. What else? Oh, okay. Now, I had promised myself I wasn't going to do this. And I'm completely just backing away from that promise. Because I I didn't want to do, like, every week a Last of Us sum up. But, son of a bitch. I I can't not talk about this. In fact, we were talking about it the other night at uh, Knock at the Cabin. Because it was just so good. I mean, just fucking good so i've kind of like caught up a little bit with the story and everything else that's that's going on for the last of us out of the video game now before i dive too far far into this uh i will do my best to have no spoilers if you haven't watched episode three of the last of us on hbo that said oh holy balls so we get kind of a, a peek into the world as it I wouldn't say sharply declined, but you can see a gradual slope into the apocalypse. Now, we get introduced to Frank and Bill. So, they're the ones that have been kind of running the outside, uh, I don't want to say underground railroad, but the supply chain that we have seen and kind of hinted at with Pedro Casquel's character, Joel, and his brother, Tommy. And there's just like this whole kind of... uh, this relationship that is formed. So we get Bill, who's Nick Offerman, and my favorite, you know, comedic actor, and one of the reasons I'm, you know, totally on board for this. And now that I've seen that story, that, I mean, oh my God, it was just like a kick to the to the feels. I mean, it was, it was just brutal. The, oh, so there are some drastic things. Let me back up. 
So we see what happens when everything goes south. Bill, who is basically a survivalist hanging out in his bunker, kind of, you know, tries to continue with life. The town has been emptied out by the military. He's got a, you know, a, a pit of firearms and an arsenal that makes the military probably shake and their fists with envy. But there's so much that is going on around Bill's character. You kind of sympathize, you feel for him, and then, you know, you see the as the years progress how the the underlying story is you 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 need someone with you. You can't do this alone. You can't be alone. And enter in Frank who is more of an optimist. He's kind of the friendly guy. He's he's very open-minded. He is the the brighter side to Bill's darker side. So it's a perfect yin and yang. We see the relationship that develops between the two of them. Now, in the game, there is a sharp departure from that storyline. They Frank kind of does some questionable things and it it, it doesn't it doesn't end well, but it uh it is what it is. So the uh the the fact is the story in the in the in the game is a little I think I don't know, I think it's a little more bleak from what my conversations and understanding of what the story between Bill and Frank are. What we see in the show is just Oh my god, it's an emotional just oh I really I almost wanted to cry. Because you see this relationship between Bill and Frank just grow and expand and we're looking at, you know, the full course of when the 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 outbreak happened up to where we are currently. So there's a lot of fill in. They they took a great page from The Walking Dead's book. Go back and and explain Show us these characters before the middle and and where they're at currently or the end in this regard. And it was so masterfully woven. It was so, like I said, it was it was a kick to the feels. And at the time I was watching it, I'm just like, oh, OK. And then we get more traction and we and we see, you know, it, it's a full life for these two together. And at the end you're 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 just left there sobbing i'm like oh and then you know pedro pascal shows up and you know he's expecting to see bill and frank and the you know we we see the end of their story and it is so uh, it, it it really hit hard and i really enjoyed this this was just epic writing this was just perfect in fact, I'm glad they went this route than what they did in the video game. And this makes more sense to me, having this discussions with some of the other people who have mastered this game, who have gone through it backwards and forwards, because I wanted to understand the differences between the show, the departures, and where the game did, you know, did it different. And this is where I think the, the, the series surpasses the game. I, the the creatures be be what they are. They're creatures. They're monsters. They still look spectacular, not backing down. And even people who have engrossed themselves in this game agree with me. They absolutely love the clickers. They can't wait for the bloaties. I, I'm yes. I don't. 
Will we see the bloaties? I don't know. I hope so, because what I got described is what a bloaty is. I'm I'm in. <laughs> At the end of episode three, I I I wanted to I, I, again. I wanted a hug. <laughs> Max wasn't having any of the cat. He just kind of looked at me like, "What's wrong with you?" And just went, you know, slinking on off. It's fine, but this show is is so well done. I know I keep telling you that, and I keep saying that, but this week there were there were no like monsters. There were no creatures, and it drilled home just the impact of what's been going on. With the outbreak, I'm sure there will be plenty of episodes. We still have yet to find uh, Tommy. I know there's more to come, bloaties, and I, I'm fine with that. It works really well. This show is hitting all the right notes. It's checking all the right boxes. If you're not watching it, you're missing out because and any fan of The Walking Dead, I think, will love this show. Yeah, there I said it. I threw it out there for all to to, to disseminate. This is the show to watch. In other horror news, the um, our buddies over at Terrifier, Damien Leon, he's teasing Terrifier 3 and a potential fourth film. He says he's met with Sam Raimi, of course, the uh, Evil Dead director and co-creator. I think he helped co-create that. I think that's part of his baby. Uh, are also working on a new project so he says uh damien says he's not done with art the clown uh, david howard thornton of course who uh is absolutely one of the best and funniest horror people that i have ever met in my life i love if you haven't watched my interview with him yet over on our youtube channel both of those uh guys sitting down with me was probably one of the there's stuff cut out of that because we talked for ever not to mention we we may have had a couple of shots just a few um so day uh, excuse me not dave uh damien is hinting at as far as what's going on for terrifier and what the the mythology behind it was uh he was basically quoted and this is him saying it directly i mean there's blatant religious mythic imagery clear as day there is a heaven and a hell uh thing going on the clown is the resurrected demon, and Sienna is slowly becoming aware that, she, that she's sort of this Old Testament angel ready to do battle and going through that metamorphosis. The discovery was really what the most exciting thing to me about this movie. Terrifier 3 at the moment... Uh, was uh, in the works. He's writing it, he says, basically. Uh, I'm writing Terrifier 3 as we speak. I definitely want to make at least one more. There may be two to tell this story and tackle all the ideas that I have in my head. Uh, he also went on to add, because there's a lot more to explore with Art the Clown. Uh, the pale girl, Victoria, who is creepy as shit in the second film, if you haven't watched it, and certainly Serena, as uh, our final girl, we'll be following her journey to the end of this franchise. So this is spectacular. Now, Terrifier 2, I did see. I finally saw it. It took me a bit. I was, I've been busy. And it was glorious. I still think the kill scene, the big kill scene in the first one is better. However, the one in the second one is a little, is definitely cringy and goes on 
very long. I mean, that's probably the cringe factor that we're looking at in the second film. Now, to see the third one come along and to explore a lot of the Easter eggs and and the clues and everything that we see in the second one is spectacular. That pale girl is like children of the corn all rolled into one big psychotic ball of wacko. That little child is terrifying. I do not want to meet her. Well, I do. I want to interview her. I want to know what it was like for her to just... I wonder if Damien just let her just run amok, you know? Just go over there and be creepy, you know? Just explore explore your creepy side. And I could see that happening. Terrifier 2 is just so well put together. We do get a very complete story as we expand on art. We expand on a lot of things that we are left with at the end of ter- the, the first Terrifier. And any horror fan out there, if you have not seen Terrifier 1 and 2, you need to. It is it is very, very well done. I have to applaud Damien and David for their efforts of putting together this wonderful uh, vestige of evil. <laughs> but it does raise the question of what project is Damien talking with Sam Raimi about? Could we see maybe some kind of expansion on the Evil Dead with Damien's influence? Hmm. That might be a very interesting twist. I hope that, well, could we see Art the, Cl- Art the Clown in Army of Darkness? <gasps> that would be way weird. Yeah, because I, yeah. The Deadite? Art the Clown? Huh. Something to think about. All right. Also in other horror news, and I, I continue to get in arguments with people about this. It is is real. And I, I, yes, so sit down, relax, kick your feet up for a second, because this is, this is ridiculousness at an all-new level. All right, first of all, I'm going to break this to you slowly. Cocaine Bear is real. Cocaine Bear is is a real movie that they did. So this is actually inspired by true events that happened way back in 1985 when a drug runner's plane crashes and missing cocaine ends up inside of a black bear. And it, it is as crazy as it sounds. And evidently this coke-fueled grizzly decides to just go on a freaking rampage and just went nuts now they really have made a film based on this and i am sure i can guarantee you there's a lot of embellishments in a a cocaine induced grizzly causing mass levels of carnage but this really is a film this really is coming out and there's really people that are uh, are, that are part of it i mean elizabeth banks who mm, hit or miss every once in a while with me for her her films uh, she's okay but the ones that stand out to me are Carrie Russell and Ray Liotta the, the I'm I'm really in for this this film actually it looks hilarious and it we don't have to wait long it's February 24th that this film will be hitting theaters it's it's this month yes that's right it's already February but this looks great I'm totally in and 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 it's based on real how can you not get in on a film that's based on actual events i know it's going to be nonsense 
and that's what I'm expecting. I know this is just going to be one over-the-top stupid fest of giggling and just gruesome ends. I mean, (laughs) even just thinking about it just starts cracking me up. This is worth the wait. This is worth the watch. I'm going opening weekend. I'm telling you that right now. Keeping with the bear theme, of course, and I don't know how I feel about this. I'm still, I still haven't even seen the first one, but Winnie the Pooh became uh, available for, for the public. He's no longer protected under licensing, and the first thing somebody does is make a horror film out of it. I discussed this months ago when this first popped up on my radar in um, uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. I still haven't seen it. I, I don't know where it is. I don't know how to find it. So to see this uh, message come up on my, my board today caused me a bit of dismay. It is official that, and this is according to the Blood and Honey Twitter page, they are getting a sequel. Winnie the Pooh to Blood and Honey, and uh, the friend and the tagline for this, friends will gather to take revenge. As well as a note of coming soon, the image uh, has captured more blood, more honey, and if you don't believe me, you can go to Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey Twitter page and see the poster that I'm speaking of. I'm not sure how I feel about this. And I guess part of the reason that... um. Oh, that's why. So part of the reason I haven't actually seen Blood and Honey, and I haven't even seen like a leaked uh, sneak peek or anything like that, it doesn't come out till February 15th. So we're getting a sequel before we even have gotten the film. And I know this is kind of a thing with like Netflix and HBO and, you know, their, their streaming services. But evidently whoever has decided the that uh, they want to do this, sure. Um, I guess the film already did receive a brief theatrical release boy i just can't talk today brief theatrical release um from fathom events and uh online but i guess we're going to get more mass distribution starting february 15th and uh that's one hell of a way to spend a romantic night of roses dinner and a blood-soaked hello poo hit 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 <laughs> why why would we do this? I mean, come on. I did want to see the Grinch story, the one that they turned into a horror film as well, which uh, became you know available to the public, but and didn't get around to it, so I'll, I'm waiting for it to circle around into the Netflix batch. I, I Violent Night is still at the top of the, the, the charts for me, I, and I'm still pushing that. Go see Violent Night. Uh, I know it's available on DVD, and I know I talked about this last week. We were talking about the sequel. They need to do a sequel for this. Violent Night needs more. We need to know why he's he's stuck being Santa. Is Mrs. Claus a reason for his curse? Why does it seem like a curse? And why is he just so angry? And there's, there's so many answers. So I want a sequel that we get a little bit more of his past. We get to see, you know, Mrs. Claus, the story with the reindeer, the ha- the whammer, all of it. I just, I just want more Violent Night. That by far is the best. So, but we don't need a sequel to Blood and Honey. We really, we really, we really don't.
So further reading on the <laughs> Winnie the Pooh synopsis. Um, like I said, why? But here's here's the official synopsis. The days of an adventure and merriment have come to an end as Christopher Robin, now a young man, has left Winnie the Pooh and Piglet to fend for themselves. As time passes, feeling angry and abandoned, the two become feral. After getting a taste for blood, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet set off to find a new source of food. It's not long before their bloody rampage begins. Oh my god. I mean, even the Brothers Grimm wouldn't... I No! No! Just... Just... No! But, okay, fine. Uh, find a theater near you, February 15th. I'm curious. If you go see this, I want, I want feedback. I want to know, because I don't have time for this. I'm going to the Avs game on the 15th, so I, I, I won't have time to, to do both. So, I need data. I need to know. So if you go, send me a message. Send me a direct message. I want, I want reactions. And if this is just the burning honey pot of hell, I think it's going to be even better. But I just, I just want to know. I just want to know. All right, moving along. Let's get out of the horror realm, and let's really get out there as far as what's got the nerds' butts on fire this week. And none other than, and I know this may be a surprise to you, James Gunn has been able to single-handedly ignite the hair of nerds across the country. He did this uh, interesting video a couple days ago on uh, Twitter, or uh, I don't know where this one came from, and it may have been Instagram, as far as him releasing his plans for the the new DCU, he's he's got a roadmap. He's very excited, and in his words, this is a dream come true and a passion project. He has things laid out for the next ten years. He he's, he's kind of trying to do what Marvel was so successful at. And in his words, he wants to have more connectivity between all of the different media that DC seems to have. Between the cartoons, the live action, the movies, all of that, to bring it together and have it make sense. No more dis, you know, discontinued stories, no disjointment, no Elseworlds, none of that. And if it doesn't fit in his universe, that is exactly what he's going to name it. It's going to be considered an Elseworld. I love the Elseworld stories. They're, they were a hit for me uh, when they were in comic comic book format. This isn't a bad idea. In fact, this is kind of their take on Marvel's What If. If this is done properly, this could be great for DC. Because everyone has always complained, bitched, moaned, and all of that. Shazam, which is due to come out, is part of his roadmap. It is, it is encompassed and... Recent images show that Wonder Woman does, might, perhaps, make an appearance in the new Shazam film. And, if that is true, he, Gal Gadot could still be part of the new ongoing DC universe that Gunn is creating. The other part of it, as we go into his new uh, header... Instead of phases, he's got um, gods and monsters as, like, the header for it. And Aquaman goes into the beginning of gods and monsters. Now, he laid out very specific things in his promotional video. And uh, the announcements uh, are as follows. Superman Legacy, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, Swamp Thing. 
Okay. Uh, so far, those are all headed for theaters, and I've got I've got responses, and I'll, I'll get back to them. So don't worry. That um, w- along with uh, Booster Gold. Yeah, okay. Uh, Creature Commandos and Wonder Woman prequel called Paradise Lost are going to be on television. And these are events that come out of the Flash film, which Gunn is fantastically happy about. He is so excited about the Flash film. I don't even know how he could be excited about the Flash film because I don't even think there's like enough footage to put a film together for that since you know Ezra Miller went ballistic and went off the radar. But, okay, fine. Uh, there's also the Blue Beetle and a few others that uh, he, he mentions in his press conference. Uh, the big one is The Authority. Now, the comic book series The Authority is one of my favorites. It is heroes that take it upon themselves to see what's wrong with the world and try and make it a better place. It is... Very, very interesting, very well done, very, I wouldn't say Watchmen, but it is in that vein. It kind of takes you to the darker places of being a hero, and it's it's way beyond the boys, but you, you get kind of like a boys feel with absolute power corrupts absolutely. There is that underlining story there, so is it, is it, yes, it's it's good, it's really well done. The And like I said, if you can find the authority, the problem is it is out of print. And even if it is in print, there's one that I think usually is missing from the set. And I think it's the second or third in the collected uh, story. But you can find it. It might cost you a little bit to get one of those trades. Uh, I have them, of course. Yes, I know. It's no surprise. But such such a good series. Creature Commandos is another animated series that will be coming out. And it looks uh, fine, I guess. Sure. The one that I'm really on the bubble about, and this is just going to be a regular TV show, is The Lanterns. It's Hal Jordan uh, and Jon Stewart on Earth as Green Lanterns being, you know, galactic cops. There's not a whole lot that's going on. There's some sort of dark mystery that they're trying to uncover, which later blows into the bigger story. So how we uh, see that unfold is a great question. I am excited to see, you know, how Jordan come back. Maybe we have a better shot at a Green Lantern story since Diggle out of Arrowverse never put on the ring and we just got teased for three, four years. Yeah, I feel like Smallville all over again. Fuck you, DC. Uh, What else? The Brave and the Bold, which is the introduction for Batman and Robin. And it's based off of Grant Morrison's story with Damien. So we get a detachment from all of the other Robins. All of them evidently are already established. We have moved on with Bruce and his son Damien. But I, if I'm not mistaken, Grant Morrison's story focused mostly as Dick Grayson as Batman and him bonding with Damien. So I, it'll be interesting. Superman Legacy, like I said, another film, Departure. We'll get back to Legacy, Superman Legacy in a minute. But the one that stands out and I'm not sure how I feel about, is the Swamp Thing. 
They tried this on uh, a few years ago when they tried to relaunch and do the the HBO Max stuff where you have Teen Titans and you have Doom Patrol, which are amazing hits, and I hope Gunn keeps those in, in, in the stable. But Swamp Thing failed miserably, and I know Gunn wants to focus on some kind of horror platform, and he's going to use Swamp Thing to launch that. Problem is, I don't think this is a good choice. I think this is a bad idea, and the Swamp Thing is just limited in what we could do for a story. I Hell, I'd be more interested in Edric and, and bringing in the demon. That sounds way more interesting and a better way of launching horror than Swamp Thing. I think it's it, it looks good on paper, but when it comes down to like actually executing and putting this story together, it's going to miss the mark. I know there are some Swamp Thing fans out there, and that's fine. I prefer Man-Thing. I like the Man-Thing story. But again, there's only so much you can do. You're in a swamp. It's like Spawn. He's stuck in an alley, and he just sits there. Swamp Thing, he's in a swamp. He doesn't blend. He doesn't do anything. He sits there, and he grows flowers. Why? We don't need... <laughs> you see, see how I feel about this? I, 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 mm. I know Gunn has a vision, and I'm curious to see what that vision turns into, especially with everybody really upset with him. I know there's another petition out there calling for the firing of James Gunn, even though he hasn't done anything yet. He's just made a lot of boastful things, and I think 2025 is when we will see one of the first films, and I don't know if it was uh, Superman uh, Legacy or uh, which one it was, but I think it might be Superman Legacy, which, again, I'll get to in a second. The one that really bothers me is Booster Gold. Nobody likes Booster Gold. It's a horrible character. It's a lame character. He's from the future. He comes into the past. He brings tech from the future so he can be a superhero. No, I... Okay, maybe maybe saying nobody likes Booster Gold is a bit of a stretch. But you, you need the Beatle, Ted Kord who I don't think we're going to get because there's the blue beetle with the scarab that we're getting. But you need, without the beetle, Booster Gold just is uh, uh, lame. He's horrible. You need both of them. Just because they cut each other up. They have a good time. There's fun. I've never been a Booster Gold fan. I think he's just a, a stupid character. And there's... Too many implications. I don't like it. Just bad choices. So there's two strikes for me. Swamp Thing and Booster Gold. Now, Superman Legacy does hold some potential. The problem that we're facing is that, of course, Henry Cavill has been released of his obligations as Superman. And I think that's a mistake. I know a lot of people think that that's a mistake. And rightfully so. But if we're doing the legacy, are we introducing all of the super boys, kids, things? The Supergirl story is a very interesting story, and it creates a much more jaded Supergirl in that storyline. So that one might be actually kind of interesting, but why she gets her own story. Of course, she's growing up on a rock of uh, Krypton and watches everybody you know around her die. It's kind of gruesome, but it's a very interesting, very interesting story. But the, the Superman one, um, yes, that's the one actually that he is his target. 
the uh, July 11th, 2025. That'll be the first one. And it balances, you know, between his Kryptonian heritage and being raised on Earth. <sighs> okay, I guess. I don't know. I'm tired. I'm tired. I really am. When it comes to the 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 story of superman and uh, uh, I, I we don't need it we don't we don't need any more batman past stories we don't need any more superman upbringing stories we've seen it all let's let's get something different and i was enticed with the kingdom come storyline and maybe that's the end goal maybe that's where we're headed and we're just kind of establishing characters okay that's fine but given where we're currently at with the DC universe and the the hit or miss and everything else that's going on, I guess we're still getting the Rob Pattinson Batman, which they're going to expand a little bit more on the Joker storyline, which is fine. We still got Joker, too, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Robbie Margot. No, excuse me, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga is playing Harley. So, and I guess that will be under the Elseworlds title and we still have flash whatever disaster that film may be so there's still things to come i just am not uh, i don't know we'll see i i re i really uh, i will put if you go over to 5280geek.com in the comments i will have the link to guns press release as he sits and talks about this with eager energy and he's all about it it's it's great I don't think that this is the right path for DC, but then, you know, no one thought the same thing. Uh, well, everyone thought the same thing of Marvel when it started. Like, how is this going to explode into all of this? Problem is, guns got everybody so wound up. I think it would have been better just to keep it ambiguous and say we've got a, a roadmap. His goal is that everybody is the same actor as their character, regardless of medium. And and so if it's cartoons or movies or shows, it's the same actor. And that, actually, I'm kind of encouraged to see. And I think that's where DC, or excuse me, where Disney is missing with Marvel and having the actors continue to portray the characters. I know it's not as easy as that, but, you know, maybe Gunn will have more success where Marvel and, D and Disney have, have not. So it's so confusing, I know. I'm sure you're asking what I would like to do. And that's a very good question. The problem is, I don't think DC can deliver what I would want to do. Like I said, I would start with, like, the demon. And that would be my bridge to the horror side. Of course, I would also start with the Green Lanterns and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, the, the, you know, the little blue guys. Uh, with the creation of the core. I, w I would. I, I, there are things that they haven't touched on. The authority so far is the most appealing of all of his announcements, simply because it was it was different at the time. It was original. It was uh, the early two thousands that the trades came out, and it was very, very different. It was very interesting. And just because of bringing it up, I'm going to break them back out and refresh myself with the material because it has been that long. But out of everything named. Yeah, I mean, I was 
happy with uh, Constantine and having that be the the bridge. So that raises another good question. Are we going to get the Keanu Reeves sequel of Constantine? Or is that just going to end up in the Elseworlds rubbish bin? So many questions. So many nerds' hairs on fire. It's fine. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll, we'll get together. We'll point. We'll laugh. And James Gunn will create whatever he wants to create anyway. And speaking of Superman, which I've been trying to, you know, wrap back around to in my final thought, (sighs) Henry Cavill, the man, the myth, the specimen, he is fine. Now, since leaving The Witcher and losing his gig at DC, a new door has opened in the form of Guy Ritchie. And if you're not familiar with uh, any of Guy Ritchie's films you might be surprised lock stock and two smoking barrels was my introduction to guy ritchie and it was one of my favorite films of the time then of course came snatch and blew the, the blew, blew everything else out of the water guy ritchie has a unique way of capturing dialogue he is what quentin tarantino wishes he could do and how i know that one hurts huh the the way guy ritchie films and the dialogue and everything that goes on is is wonderful so there was a film that he did a few years back called the man from uncle which i thought was spectacular it was a hit in my book unfortunately um it wasn't a hit with everybody else the film only made about eight eighty, not eight, eighty million dollars, and uh, they sported a basic. Uh, I think the budget on that was uh, over a hundred million to make the film. So not really a a hit in the sense, and I wouldn't be surprised if this has kind of become a cult film classic, and has probably seen much more strides after its theatrical release. It came out in twenty fifteen, and. It basically is based on loosely on the the show. So the uh, the man from Uncle is it, it's another spy film. It's really well put together. Now Guy Ritchie has been given the go ahead to create Man from Uncle Two, and Henry Cavill is in it. So I think. And this is when Henry Cavill was first starting and all of that, and Man from Uncle came out. He was still just kind of getting his footing. He was still a relative unknown. He still hadn't, you know, come into the the superstar status that he has now. There will be some issues. There have um, been some problems with uh, the cast. One of the gentlemen, uh, the partner, Napoleon, that uh, was in it, that gentleman is uh, facing serious charges, so I don't think we'll see him. And then, of course, his other partner, who later becomes the female playing uh, Ex Machina. Not Ex Machina. Uh, She was in Tomb Raider. She was the new Tomb Raider girl. Alicia Vikander? Yes. She was in the new Tomb Raider film that was out in 2018. Of course, she's no longer part of Tomb Raider. They let her go from that project, and they're probably looking for different actresses, which is lame, because I actually really did like her Tomb Raider. But she was in the original Man from U.N.C.L.E., and I could see her coming back and reprising her character. 
Now, all of this is very interesting and intricate because there's still this other story that's kind of bubbling under the surface. Now, even though we have the man from Uncle 2 that is in the works and everything, but this also could be laying the groundwork for Henry Cavill to take on the role of James Bond. Evidently, Aaron Taylor Johnson is in final talks over taking up the role, but there's still some kind of shaky ground and mm, negotiations aren't going as well as they should according to some of the sources that I've been hearing from. So would it be a stretch for Henry Cavill to be the new James Bond? I know Edris Alba passed on the opportunity and is not interested in, in doing it and I personally think Edris Alba would be a, a great Bond and, and uh, don't get me wrong, I think both would be tremendous, but damn Henry Cavill as James Bond, the dude is huge. And, I, I mean, I know he's suave and he looks spectacular in a suit and all of that stuff, but, I, I mean, I don't – he's going to just tower over people. He's going to have – they're, they're going to have to get the, the the villains, like, egg crates to stand on so they can look him in the in the throat. He's, he's huge. What are you going to do? How do you intimidate James Bond with that? Maybe we'll see a much more physical James Bond like we did in Daniel Craig's early years when, you know, he's constantly, you know, beating the crap out of people. I'm I don't know which way I would swing on this because I I think both are an excellent choice for James Bond. We'll see if uh Aaron Taylor Johnson ends up with the new 007 role. That's just stuff so it seems so far out, but at least Henry Cavill has somewhere to go now that he seems to have been abandoned by, you know, Warner Brothers and from The Witcher and all of that. So it just, I just want to see the man succeed. Is that so wrong? He's such a nice guy. But no, no one, no one will just let the man just, just be him. <laughs> oh, and speaking of, of the mouse of, of, of Disney, uh, Star Wars has an, Huge announcement. Visions Volume 2 premiere date uh, has been announced. Now, the Visions uh, story was, I thought, so well done. They did do a new comic that came out, and it's it's animated base on the show. The comic is very feudal Japan, and it is spectacular. I thought one of the best pullaways for Star Wars, a reimagining and a spectacular way of just telling some different stories. Something that isn't Skywalker based, something that still has the the heart of Star Wars but in a, in a different different way. So Star Wars Visions will debut on May 4th of 2023. Uh, and yes, that's that's right there on May the 4th. May the 4th with you yeah 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 i know uh it's going to run for nine episodes same as the previous year the episodes are a little different now there are a lot of different studios that are presenting their shorts and this formula seems to be working quite well especially when you're looking at like love death and robots and a few others that are kind of taking this page of just you know some engaging cool quick stories they get the fans pumped and and have a decent story to it especially when you look at we what we saw with Dooku and Ahsoka's storylines that we just had uh for their shorts 
a few months ago when it got released on Disney Plus. The takeaway, though, there's a huge kind of departure from the season one and season two of Visions, and that is we get some some live action ones. It's not all animated, and I'm kind of excited about that. They haven't really indicated which are going to be more Jap animated style or live action. But I'm excited to just see a different platform for them to tell just compelling Star Wars stories. As much as I love Andor, which still is a hit for me. Of course, Mando, which is coming around the corner. All of that. But just to, just get more encompassing of the Star Wars universe. Different characters, different creatures. Bad Batch is still solid for me right now. Even this week's episode was kind of like, oh, we get some Wookiees. It's about time. Wookiees. <laughs> yes, I know. That was that was very Seinfeld of me. But um, we'll see this for May the 4th. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Nine shorts. I'm going to, I know, blaze through them in, you know, no time at all and then be sad because I have nothing left to watch. So, and speaking of which, you're going to have to go over to our Instagram and follow us there because next week I do finally get to go to Galaxy's Edge. I am anxious to go see this. Hell, some of my friends have already been twice. Not naming names, you bastards. But you know who you are. So I finally get to go and see the Falcon, Rise of the Resistance, hang out at a cantina, build me a droid, all sorts of excitement, chaos, mayhem, Sith Lords everywhere. Best of all, it's the Tiki Bar, Trader Sam's, that you, you if you go to Disneyland, the California one, you cannot miss out in going to the Tiki Bar. It is awesome. Shipwreck. Absolutely where it's at. So, I will I'll try. I think I can. I'll probably try and do a podcast somewhere close to Disneyland. Just to kind of reflect in my, my, my take on the rides. Because the ones that are a must for me. Absolutely without a doubt. Matterhorn. Space Mountain. Uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Um, Splash Mountain. Yes, it's still open. The ones I'm looking most forward to, definitely Guardians of the Galaxy, because it was Terror Hotel, or Terror, uh, Tower of Terror, last time I was there with Indy and the Ghostbusters, and it since then has now become Avengers Compound, so I'm excited to get over there. What else? Of course, like, I'm going to spend two days in Star Wars Land. Yeah. I'm going to get me a Jedi cloak. I already have a Jedi cloak. I don't know. Droid for sure. Absolutely. As I begin to ramble. Sorry. My head starts filling with, like, different things I want from Star Wars. <laughs> and on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. <laughs> uh, give us a like. Give us a share. Tell all your friends about your dirty little secret that we are. And uh, nobody nobody likes you just not sharing. You need to tell everyone. Please give us a like. Give us a share. Send me a message. If you got questions of the nerd variety, I'd be more than happy to answer them and enlighten you with all of the worthless nerd knowledge I've got rolling around in this big old dome of mine. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night.